athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. Set out of the count, Heinz to his right, sprinting to the right side, looking, throws on the run, the ball is caught, Chester Rogers, touchdown, I-N-D-Y! Four-yard touchdown pass, Jacoby Brissett to Chester Rogers! That's how we're going to get things popping as you're tuned into the dopest show on radio from the press box to press row. I am your host, Donald Ware. That audio courtesy of the Indianapolis Colts radio network, Matt Taylor on the call. It was the first touchdown reception of the season for former Grambling star Chester Rogers. Unfortunately, the Colts fell in that football game. It's their first loss of the season. As a matter of fact, on the Monday edition of the HBCU Football Daily Podcast, going to talk with Chester Rogers of the Indianapolis Colts. has become more of an integral part of that offense. Listen, a whole lot to get to today on the program. A couple of hot-button topics during the course of the week. Should college student-athletes be paid? I mean, that's the question we've been asking for quite some time. Uh, I'm on record as saying that student athletes, I think, should be paid. But there's a way, I think, in which you go about doing that. Now, I'm not 100 percent sure what that way is. I want to throw a couple of scenarios out there. And as a matter of fact, what does it mean more specifically for smaller college student athletes, HBCU student athletes? How do those athletes get paid The topic of conversation reignited because of the fact that the governor of California signed into uh, law, but the law actually doesn't take place until 2023, in which college athletes, student athletes, can benefit from their likeness. Student athletes can can benefit from their likeness. In other words, make money from their likeness it's not the same thing as getting paid two totally different things and i'm going to talk a little bit more about that and more specifically how it relates to small college players and then more specifically or more specifically in our case hbcu student athletes kaylin newton and howard what's going on there kaylin newton and howard what's going on there i talked about it extensively On the HBCU Football Daily Podcast on Tuesday. Got some dynamics there. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that on today's From the Press Box to Press Row. Joining us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row, Florida A&M. It's homecoming in Tallahassee. The Rattlers got a big matchup on Saturday against North Carolina Central. And the Rattlers 
have won three straight games. You know, they got obliterated by UCF to open the season and bounce back, including a nice win against Norfolk State last week and a nice win a couple of weeks ago against Southern. Willie Simmons is in his second season as the head football coach at Florida A&M. He's going to join us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Also going to preview the Box to Row National Game of the Week. Going to preview the Box to Row National Game of the Week as Alcorn State is going to be at Alabama State. This should be a phenomenal, phenomenal football game. And again, if you've been listening to the HB, and that's why I say, you, you, you know, if you haven't checked out the HBCU Football Daily Podcast, then you're in fact missing something from week to week. You're definitely missing something if you're not checking it out. Talked extensively, not only about this matchup, which I'm going to preview again on today's program, but also the quarterback situation. Talked extensively about the quarterback situation also on Tuesday at Alcorn State. Do you, in fact, start Felix Harper's made the last two starts? Noah Johnson has been injured. Do you start Felix Harper against Alabama State? He's hot in his last two games, eight interceptions, no uh, excuse me, eight touchdown passes, eight touchdown passes, no interceptions in his last two ball games. He had six touchdown passes in the Braves victory over Mississippi Valley State last week. You go back a couple of weeks ago when he was the box to row national player of the week, two touchdown passes, no interceptions in that victory over Prairie View A&M. Do you go with Felix Harper, the hot hand, or do you go with Noah Johnson, the veteran and another question that I posed and needs to be asked as well. We've seen this scenario before at Alcorn State. You go back to John Gibbs when John Gibbs was the box to row national offensive player of the year in 2014 and 2015 started this season out. He ended up getting hurt. Norris footman came in during the course of the uh, of the season to relieve him. And essentially, John Gibbs did not see the field the rest of the season. And so are we looking at a similar scenario here? Are we looking at a similar scenario here? I don't know. Um, but again, history has shown that at Alcorn State, uh, this type of thing has happened. And it has and Alcorn State has it, it's they've benefited. I mean, the, the Braves have benefited because the quarterback that has come in, has done a good job. And remember, Noah Johnson also came in for Lenoris Footman when Lenoris Footman got injured. Ultimately, Lenoris Footman was able to see some time. He and, of course, uh, Noah Johnson split some time. But ultimately, we're going to preview that game and who should be the starting quarterback in that football game lots to get to today on the program want you to join us today here on from the press box to press row hit me up via twitter at box to row b-o-x-t-o-r-o-w also on facebook b-o-x the number two r-o-w on facebook b-o-x the number two r-o-w we love to shout out our wonderful affiliates around the country that carry from the press box to press row. We have so many, um, you know, we talk about all corn. How about WPRL in Lorman, Mississippi, uh, who carries 
from the press box to press row. So many great affiliates, WXVI in Montgomery, Alabama. We're going to preview, again, the Alabama State Alcorn State football game, another great affiliate that carries from the press box to press row each and every week. How about KRUS in Ruston, Louisiana, that carries the program? Also, WWIL in Wilmington, North Carolina, that carries from the press box to press row. Thank you to those affiliates and those listeners that listen on those respective stations. Those that listen to us on Sirius XM, channels 141 and 142. And those that listen to us around the world at box to row. I want to start with the Kalen Newton situation. As you know, he's put his name in the transfer portal to transfer out of Howard, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him at William & Mary, and he's going to redshirt this year. So basically, he can play. He played in three games this year. He did not play um, in Howard's game against Bethune-Cookman on Saturday. So he's played in three games. He's able to redshirt. This year should be able to anyway, should be able to redshirt and then play in 2020. Again, don't be surprised to see him at William and Mary playing for Mike London. I don't have anything concrete. That's just 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 me talking. Just my thought. You you play with a guy for two years. You have success. And Newton had a lot of success. I think he you know, I think he as a rookie, he took. The Miak by storm. I think if you look at the if you just look at the numbers, I think he had a basically he had, if my memory serves me correctly, as a rookie, 15 touchdowns to 14 interceptions, something like that. And then last year was like 21 to 17. The completion percentage was slightly higher. He's completing right at 51 percent of his passes. So that needs to come up. I have heard uh, speculation that perhaps with Ron Prince coming in. As the new head football coach uh, there at Howard, it it may have been a situation where it was uh, a situation where, you know, listen, this is how I'm going to run the team. Uh, it, it doesn't matter what happened before. And, I mean, quite frankly, I mean, maybe Kalen Newton wasn't Ron Prince's guy. It wasn't, you know, Mike London came in. He had some cards that he was dealt. He decided to roll with what he had. Kalen Newton was absolutely successful and for two seasons at Howard. Again, maybe Ron Prince decided, you know, if you're going to be here, this is how we're going to run things. And maybe it didn't cater um, to what uh, Ron Prince was looking for. So ultimately, uh, as a matter of fact, if you look at Quentin Williams, who is the quarterback, now the quarterback for Howard, Completed 21 of 35 passes, 179 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. So we had a pretty efficient day if you look at it from a numbers perspective. 35 passes, attempted 179 yards. He's a high-profile guy. Like, he's Cam Newton's brother, but he's helped to make a name for himself. He's a high-profile guy transferring out of Howard. Um, We have yet to see uh, Jaquez Ezzard play this year, Kyle Anthony has sort of been the workhorse from the receiver aspect for Howard. So it's an interesting dynamic on the conference call. He was asked, meaning Ron Prince was asked about the Kalen Newton situation. He didn't address it directly. He didn't answer the question directly, more or less to say 
that uh, Newton was transferring. Um, also, um, the, but he talked more about, you know, the new quarterback. He talked much more about the new quarterback. I mean, I, you know, a lot of times coaches come in, um, they want it done their way. I think when you have a guy like a Kalen Newton um, and you're Howard and you have that kind of talent level, I think you have to, in some respects, uh, play to his skill set, uh, especially with quarterbacks like you, you know, quarterbacks are different. And I don't know what the relationship is between Kalen Newton and Ron Prince. Ron, Ron Prince has been at big programs. When you've head coached at big programs, you come down to a smaller program. A lot of times you want things done the way you want them done. You're used to them being done and it all doesn't always work that way and I'm not sure if that's the deal but I'm going to talk a little bit more about this on the other side as from the press box to press row rolls on it's Donald Ware host of from the press box to press row the biggest names are guests on box to row that is the voice of Kevin Durant oh yeah well I'm just you know trying to get better every single day you know uh, we've been through a lot as a team and I enjoy playing with a great group of guys. Hey, this is Ronda Rousey. This is Michael Vick. Hi, this is Layla Ali. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Skylar Diggins. Hey, it's Alex Morgan with the U.S. Women's Soccer Team. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, I was really focused, and I was really um, ready and serious and just really, you know, excited. Missed any of these interviews? Then check us out online at www.boxtorow.com. That's from the press box to press row. Real, relevant radio. You're listening to from the press box to press row. She said she was a model for a year and a half. And then she took her pins out and her hair dropped down to a cab. I knew a man, he was just up north and would have got left up north. Hey, we come here on from the press box to press row. Florida A&M head football coach Willie Simmons going to join us on the program. Want to move on to some other th- things, but I want to put a cap on the Kalen Newton and Howard situation. Uh, and again, I know there are some reports out there that um, perhaps Ron Prince has been uh, abusive to some of the players and, and so forth. And I was mentioning on the other side that he's been at a lot, you know, he was the head coach at Kansas State at one time, and he's been in the National Football League. He's also been on this level, so he's been on, the, you know, the FCS level at, at, and more specifically at HBCUs, at Alabama A&M at one time, at South Carolina State at one time. But again, he's been uh, a head coach at Kansas State. And, and like I said, I mean, I just think sometimes you've been at a certain level, you want things done the way you want them done. I've had a chance to talk with Ron Prince one time at the MEAC Media Day. Um, you know, and as I mentioned, I think earlier in the season, before the season even began, I think he's, you know, extremely bright and intellectual. You know, we had a really, really good conversation um, about things other than football. I mean, I asked him directly about, you know, Howard football and maybe because of the high academic standards at Howard, is it a little bit more difficult to recruit? We talked about those kind of things as well, not just necessarily uh, personnel, although I will say that um, 
you know, he he had a lot of good things to say about Kalen Newton at the time. I don't, I don't again, I don't know what has happened. I I'm not sure what has happened in their relationship. What I do know is that Kalen Newton is leaving Howard, has put his name in the transfer portal. I think when you're talking about um, uh, what he brings to Howard and to HBCUs, he's made a name for himself. He's Cam Newton's brother. He's high profile. Again, I'll say it again. We haven't had a high profile guy like that since Tariq Cohen. And, you know, perhaps who was it before Tariq Cohen? Maybe, I mean, I, you know, I, I thought um, I, I thought Howard linebacker Keith Pugh was pretty high profile when he played um, at Howard. Um, so, I, I, you know, I, I don't know. I know one thing that uh, – <laughs> As the head coach there at Howard, if that guy is not with your program anymore, then you best to win because a lot of people are going to point the finger at the coach. We don't know all of the details. I'm just saying a lot of people are going to point the finger at the coach um, regardless of, you know, the five and six record last year. Howard football matters now. It matters that you go back a couple of years ago to the win against UNLV. Howard football matters now. It's back on the map. And a lot of that has to do with Kalen Newton. So if Kalen Newton is now gone, that I think presents a bit of a challenge and a bit of an issue for Ron Prince unless he can win. Because winning cures all. He wins. What's the problem? He he. Whatever happened, whether he he initiated things so that it, it led to Kalen Newton leaving, uh, if Howard wins, doesn't matter. You won. If you, and when I say win, I'm win, I mean win, you know, a MEAC title or at least maybe go to the playoffs if if something happens. And I'm not talking about this year. I mean, I don't think that's going to happen this year. I don't. We don't know. I mean, to me, Howard had the type of team that could have competed for the MEAC championship this year. I think I had them either second or third, uh, depending upon how I looked at, you know, how you look at Florida A&M. I think, you know, you could have gone second or third either way with respect to Howard and Florida A&M. And, and I did have, you know, I also did mention that, listen, even before the season started, you never know how things are going to go. You got a new coach coming in. So does that, still mean things are going to be done the same way. Um, If Kalen Newton had stayed, would Howard, I mean, who knows? Would Howard been upper echelon? Could they have competed for the MEAC championship? Who knows? They they still have the opportunity. Like, they're not out of this thing. They still have the opportunity. It's not over now. But, you know, we'll see how things play out. But, again, I'm just talking about it from a perception standpoint. If you got a guy like a Kalen Newton in your program and – all of a sudden he's not in your program and there are, you know, allegations all over the place about mistreatment of players, so on and so forth. And you don't win. Now, I'm not, and I'm not talking about this year. You know, I'm talking about moving forward. Then that definitely would be an issue. Your thoughts. Hit me up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Should... Student athletes be paid. It's been the hot button topic this year since the governor of the state of California, he he signed the bill um, that said that 
at least players in the state of California, student athletes in the state of California can benefit from their likeness. But that's not going to start until 2023. So, I mean, you have a bill that's in place that's been signed, but then it's not going to go in effect for another, you know, three and a half years. So, I mean, what really, with respect to that bill being signed, has really been accomplished? Well, I think one of the things that it accomplishes is it now um, it motivates, if you will, the NCAA or the NCAA to look at this a little bit more closely and figure out how student athletes can be paid. Can they get paid off their likeness? I mean, I think, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think it presents a bit of a challenge. Well, it does present a bit of a challenge. I think when you're talking about student athletes can now go out and benefit from their likeness, but how does it benefit? I mean, it it, it benefits the revenue sports more so, more so depending upon which school it is, football or basketball. I mean, if you're UCLA, probably basketball first, then football, maybe. Um, and, and, and it, you know, if you're USC, then, you know, football, certainly football is, is first. No question about that. And then obviously you have some of the other schools and some smaller schools there as well. But what about that women's lacrosse player? How does that women's lacrosse player benefit now uh from their likeness it's not a it's not a high it's not a you know a a a highly visible sport it's not a necessarily a revenue generating sport so how does that student athlete benefit i don't know if someone has i mean lacrosse is in lacrosse is you know is a is not a high profile sport but it's pretty decent i don't know if they have like a rifle team what about a rifle team uh, in the state of California, how does that student athlete benefit from this? So I don't know exactly what has been accomplished ultimately. Um, and again, you're talking about something that's going to go in place in another three and a half years. I was listening to ESPN's national radio program, Mike and Mike. It was either on Monday or Tuesday. And Representative Mark Walker of North Carolina came on the program, had a lot of really interesting things to say. I know they that here in the state that that was a bill uh, that was put into place, but it was on the federal level. So what he was talking about and trying to implement would be a federal standard, because the other problem you also have with this bill only being passed in California. It, it, it's it, it. Now, what happens to um, schools and student athletes in the state of North Carolina or, or or other states that don't have this kind of mandate. That's an unfair recruiting advantage to schools in the state of North Carolina, in, in the state, excuse me, in the state of California. That That's an unfair recruiting um, uh, situation there. So I think it has to be across the board. Anything that you do is going to have to be across the board. And maybe this will motivate um, the NCAA to now move forward to try to put something in place. What does this mean for the smaller schools? What does it mean for HBCUs? What does it mean for Division two schools? What does it mean for NCAA Division three schools? I, I'm not sure because there's not a lot of scholars. It's not athletic scholarships. It's more so academic scholarships in NCAA Division three. What does it mean for the smaller programs moving forward? Um, you know, I think that 
the if you're a a student athlete and you're on scholarship, you should get some kind of uh, some kind of extra stipend. I know that student athletes they get per diem when you go on the road and all of that. I think they're able to keep the per diem even if they don't use it, but it's not necessarily a lot. I mean, do we say okay, student athletes get a thousand if you're on a full scholarship you get a thousand dollars a month is that you know uh uh throughout the course of the season and maybe it goes down a little bit when you're out of season um is that enough uh if you're if you're a partial uh if you if you receive partial aid or you're a partial uh student athlete or receive a partial scholarship, maybe it's 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 reduced and it's it's a pound for pound situation. So you're getting, let's say you're getting a partial scholarship, which is half of the tuition. Perhaps you get five hundred dollars a month. I don't know what I mean. Like I I don't know what that looks like. I do know that the NCAA is going to have to come up with something because I think you know this is a hot button topic. It's not going to go away. It's not going anywhere. And I think ultimately for what student athletes bring to the respective schools uh, that they should, in fact, be paid. But again, I think it has to be across the board. That's the one thing I like about the NCAA is that it's standard for student athletes across the board in terms of what you're able to do and what you're able or what you're not able to do, whether you're D1 and D2. That's one of the things that I like. I've talked about this before. You start paying you know, you start paying like Zion Williamson. He was off the charts with Duke. I mean, am I going to pay? Am I going to pay Zion Williamson? You know, one deal or or, or one amount and pay, uh, you know, the twelfth person on Duke's uh, a team another another amount. That that's going to cause I think internal problems. I realize these guys are adults, but they're still young people. That's going to cause I think problems in of itself. So. It's an interesting discussion. Um, smaller schools, how do our schools benefit? How do smaller schools benefit from this um, moving forward? Because this is coming. I mean, it's coming. It it may take a little bit of time, but eventually student athletes are going to get paid. It's going to be an NCAA mandate. I think the NCAA is under a lot of pressure to, in fact, make this happen. Your thoughts on California, uh, on the whole student athletes getting paid, benefiting from their likeness, etc. Hit me up via Twitter at Box2Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two R-O-W. Florida A&M head football coach Willie Simmons is up next. Let's continue here on From the Press Box to Press Row. We're going to take things to Tallahassee, Florida. It is homecoming as a matter of fact, as uh, Florida A&M's got a big-time homecoming, as it usually does, North Carolina Central's going to be in the building. An important MEAC matchup in his second season as the head football coach of the Rattlers is Willie Simmons, who joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Coach Simmons, welcome back to the program. Oh, glad to be on. Absolutely. want to get your thoughts on the season to this point. Um, you guys started off with the loss in now have won three straight ball games. Well, it's been a, a, a kind of a roller coaster season to, to say the least in the first uh, four games, and obviously starting the season against Central Florida, um, an FBS uh, top twenty team. Uh, we went down there and 
and, and didn't uh, play anywhere near our capabilities, in my honest opinion. They're a really good football team, um, probably a couple of plays away from still being undefeated and ranked probably in the FBS top 10 right now. Um, but you know, after that game, had a bye week to kind of get back to some basic fundamentals. And I thought the guys responded in a major way, you know, came back and played Fort Valley State uh, in our home opener, the Jake Gaither Classic. Uh, big win there, uh, 57 to 20 or something like that, you know, was the score. Uh, and then, you know, had the big rivalry with Southern renewed, um, here at home and in hard fought game. Uh, we were able to jump out to a 17 nothing lead and, uh, then the, being the team that they are, you know, they started to inch back and actually took the lead late in the fourth quarter. And, uh, we were able to put together a 97 yard drive to, to, you know, go back up and end up winning the game. And then, of course, last week to travel to Norfolk, Virginia, to open conference play and against a you know, pretty good Norfolk State team. Uh, again, did some really good things at times and other times didn't uh, perform at the level we're capable of performing and got up by 9 or 10 and uh, gave up a late score to them, uh, but ended up pulling the game out in the end. So uh, after four weeks, you know, 3-0, and 1-0 in conference play and done some really good things. You know, some guys have had some great individual performances, uh, but the biggest thing was just trying to find that level of consistency you know, that you know, great ball, great ball clubs have. Yeah, no, I, 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 I sort of echo your sentiment. I, I mean, I, I, if I'm honest, man, I was a little bit surprised um, at the 62 to nine. I mean, I get it. You're right. You, UCF, you know, they, they claim in a national championship and all of that. I mean, I get it. But I thought maybe your team would fare a little bit better. So, so what happened in that UCF game? Well, you know, a lot of things went into that game. Uh, first and foremost, we were without seven starters. Um, you know, we had about five guys that were uh, awaiting clearance you know, from the NCAA for various um, waivers, and so we didn't get, we didn't have those guys uh, with us. We lost our starting corner, Herman Jackson, uh, to an ACL injury in training camp, and then our starting center, Brian Crawford. Um, you know, hurt his shoulder uh, the last uh, week of training camp as well, so was without him. And so we were without our top two running backs, uh, starting center, um, basically, you know, starting right tackle, five-star right tackle that we had just signed, um, starting defensive end. So we were about, out without seven starters. And whenever you play a team of that caliber and you go in uh, shorthanded, you know, obviously it's going to be a lot tougher for us. So uh, we did, like I said, you know, give, given our full array of players, uh, I don't think they're 62 points better than us. Uh, I think they're a really good football team. Um, but, again, when you don't have an Elijah Richardson, a Bishop Bonnet, a Marcus Williams, a Calvin Ashley, you know, those those type guys, um, it's very hard to beat MEAC teams, let alone uh, an FBS top 20 football team. Yeah. Uh, your thoughts, I mean, and to the point, you know, Ryan Stanley, we he's been there for four years. Um, he, he was 7-24 of 24 in that game, but he's really bounced back. Six touchdowns, one interception on the season, completing right around 60% of his passes. Give us your assessment of how he's playing or how he's played so far this season. Well, after the UCF game, which, of course, he um, will be the first to tell you he performed pretty poorly that game, um, he really regrouped and settled down and went back to doing what this offense <laughs> this offense calls him to do, which is, this, you know, what we call drive the car. And, and which means get the ball to the playmakers. We have some very dynamic playmakers out wide and in the backfield. Um, get the ball to those guys, uh, accurate throws on, uh, on time. 
and get us in the right football play. And that's really his mandate. And when he does those things, uh, we're hard to defend. Um, but, you know, he's gotten himself in trouble at times uh, in the past and this year of maybe trying to do a little bit too much. And so, you know, when he settles down and when he kind of lets the game come to him, which he did uh, at various points in the, in the Fort Valley game and the Southern game even last weekend, um, he's shown that he can carve you up, you know, through for 275 and a half versus Fort Valley, uh, through for 355 against Southern, and then turned around last week and threw for 295. So, again, you know, throwing the ball really well. Um, you know, receivers are making some big plays for him. But, again, you know, his biggest thing is just continue to be consistent and, like I said, drive the car, you know, like we tell him to do every week. That the voice of Willie Simmons. He's the head football coach at Florida A&M. Joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Road's homecoming week in Tallahassee for the Rattlers. They're going to take on North Carolina Central on Saturday. Um, what about his progression? You know, I talked with you at MEAC Media Day, and last season we, you know, we, we, we talked about you with respect you know, to Ryan Stanley, you've been a, a quarterback, you know the position. He was more of a guy. He got it done with his legs the first two years in the league. You come in, it's been, he's been more of a, of a pocket passer. So can you kind of speak to his sort of his progression in now you guys' second season together? Well, yeah, again, like you said, he, he's a very athletic individual. And, you know, if we wanted to as an offensive staff, we could devise – a number of quarterback runs with him, you know, but uh, when you have a guy um, like Ryan, who's as valuable as he is to this team, you want to try to keep him as healthy as you can. You know, and last year um, he gutted through the last half of the season uh, with this pretty significant back injury. And so we obviously wanted to limit the amount of carries that he had uh, last season. And then coming into, into this season, it, it makes you think twice about even running them now. And so, He's a lot more valuable as a as a, a thrower. Um, I do think that he has the ability to run the football and will need to do so at, at various times throughout the year to, to keep defenses honest. You know, but again, when you have the ability to turn around and hand the ball off to a Bishop Bonnet, to a Bo Kendrick or Terrell Jennings, uh, you know, those type guys, and then raise up and throw it to you know Xavier Smith, Chad Hunter, Zenday Ray. Uh, Marcus Williams, you know, I think that's a luxury to where now he doesn't necessarily have to win the game with his legs. He can win it more so with sound decision-making. And so uh, the fact that we have so many dynamic skill players uh, has really given us as an offense uh, an opportunity to lessen his running load because obviously you know, quarterbacks run the ball, they're susceptible to taking shots, and we want to try to prevent Ryan from taking those shots as much as we possibly can. You've won three straight games. The Eagles have won two straight games. What – concerns you about North Carolina Central? Well, one, um, you know, Coach Oliver has those guys playing extremely hard. Um, they're leading the conference and may be leading the nation in turnover margin. They're plus 10, uh, which after, you know, four weeks of, of play is phenomenal. I mean, that's, oh, that's two and a half turnovers a game that you're gaining on your competition. And so they've done a really good job of being opportunistic. Um, they, you know, I think, are leading the conference in sacks as well, so they're doing a really good job of getting after the quarterback. And, and, and last week they ran for 390 yards. And so anytime you can have a, a team that can control the ball the way that they have and then turn around and put pressure on the quarterback and cause turnovers, uh, that, that gives you uh, a reason to be a little bit worried about this team. And, and, again, I'm pretty familiar with Trey Oliver. I've gone against him a few times uh, when he was a coordinator at Southern during my time as a head coach at Prairie View, and we always had 
pretty intense games. And so uh, they're very multiple on defense, going to come at you from a lot of different angles. And so we definitely have to be prepared for, for multiple looks throughout the game. And, and uh, that in and of itself poses challenges. And, and so, uh, again, just, just more concerned about how we come out. If we come out um, with the type of enthusiasm and, and uh, focus that we've come out with in you know, the first two home games, um, I think we'll be okay. And now the challenge is just sustaining that, you know, for four quarters. And we played really well at spurts, but, again, just the consistency of, of execution for four quarters is what we're really striving for. A couple of more thoughts with Willie Simmons, the head football coach at Florida A&M, joins us here on the program. The Rattlers ranked number four in the Box to Row Coaches poll and number five in the media poll. Let me switch gears a little bit, uh, Coach Simmons. Should a team that's been number one all year has a tough game, against Carolina, who's won some some decent games at least, um, you know, early in the season, lose its number one ranking even though they won the football game? Well, you know, again, I think when you have the human element, which is what voting is, um, you know, that you're susceptible to that. Uh, because voters vote by what they see. And if you, if, if you didn't play – as if you're the number one team in America, uh, then you run the risk of losing that, that, that ranking, um, by the people who make those decisions. And, you know, North Carolina has played really good football this year, you know, beat Miami, um, you know, played some really stiff competition, you know, but I think Clemson is kind of falling into that, that mode of when you're that good and you won 20 straight games and you beat 14 straight opponents by two touchdowns or more, you know, people get spoiled. And they expect every game to be a blowout. And if you don't blow everyone out, then it's, you know, push the panic alert. And, and so, you know, it is one of those things. Again, I, I know Dabo really well. And, of course, you know, Tony Elliott, Jeff Scott, Brandon Street, all those guys that I played with who are coaching up there now. And, and I don't think those guys are worried about that. You know, they're not worried about the, the rankings. Um, they're working extremely hard to, to prepare their young men for, for competition. And, you know, if you just continue to win, I think everything else takes care of itself. You know, the margin of victory, uh, you know, is, is is sexy, but winning at the end of the day is what matters. And, and so uh, I know they'd much rather be in the win column than worry about how many points they're scoring or, you know, the type of the numbers they're putting up. And, and so they just continue to win, whether they're one. I, I, I know Dabo, and I think he'd take seven more straight one-point wins <laughs> and then right. still be in a position to go to the playoff and possibly win another national title. Um, you know, so again, I, I think um, it's, it's, it's more so talk for the media than it is in that locker room up there in, in Clemson, South Carolina. Yeah, no, I thought I'd ask, you know, as you being a former uh, good uh, Clemson quarterback, as a matter of fact. Hold the line for me one second, Coach Simmons. We're going to wrap things up with Florida A&M head football coach Willie Simmons on the other side. Box to Road. 
HBCUSportsTalkRow.com is the website for all of your HBCU sports needs. From the Game of the Week feature to interviews to the latest news in the world of HBCU sports, BoxToRow.com has you covered. Missed a week of From the Press Box to Press Row? BoxToRow.com has all the archive shows. Don't forget to check out the All-American teams and weekly media coaches polls. From the Press Box to Press Row. And BoxToRow.com. Your HBCU sports leader. It's Donald Ware, host of From the Press Box to Press Row, the biggest names, our guests on Box to Row. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. Oh, yeah, well, I'm just, you know, trying to get better every single day. You know, uh, we've been through a lot as a team, and I enjoy playing with a great group of guys. Hey, this is Ronda Rousey. This is Michael Vick. Hi, this is Layla Ali. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Skyler Diggins. Hey, it's Alex Morgan with the U.S. Women's Soccer Team. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, I was really focused, and I was really um, ready and serious and just really, you know, excited. Missed any of these interviews? Then check us out online at www.boxtorow.com. That's from the press box to press row. Real. Relevant. Radio. It's Donald Ware. From the press box to press row. We're back here on From the Press Box to Press Row talking with Florida A&M head football coach Willie Simmons. Lastly, Coach, and we appreciate the time. Um, how does it feel? We just don't have enough time to really get into the backstory. Of course, you ultimately transferred to Florida A&M after graduating Clemson. Florida A&M decided not to uh, ultimately move into 1A football. But what is it like being back home, man, and coaching uh, there at Florida A&M? It's a surreal feeling, um, you know. Again, the, the nostalgia of coming back home um, still hasn't worn off. You know, that's that's a big part of it. You know, I grew up, you know, 20 minutes away from this campus. I um, grew up in Brad Memorial Stadium, watching my god brother Eddie Battle uh, play football for Ken Riley. You know, watching guys like Ronald Vickers, um, who played at Shanks High School, uh, you know, catch passes there in, in, in Brad Memorial Stadium. And, you know, the list goes on and on. Marvin Taylor, I mean, there's been a ton of guys from this area um, who I grew up idolizing. And then, you know, they have the opportunity to come. And even though I didn't play uh, my senior year, they have the opportunity to practice here for two weeks, to be in the locker room with the guys, to hear Billy Joe's post-practice talks. You know, of course, he has an extensive vocabulary. So just to be able to sit there and listen (laughs) to him tell stories and use the words that he was able to use, you know, I, I I felt like I was a part of the of the Rattler family, and so to be able to come back to that um, as the head coach, you know, and and really try to to revitalize this this story program um, has, has really been a blessing, you know, for me and for my family. Um, you know, of course, uh, my wife and I both grew up here. My wife's a graduate, you know, as many people know, two time graduate, soon to be third, and so um, to be able to have um, to see her old professors, to see. Um, people in the community who've been instrumental in our lives and for me to go into stores and just see how many um, proud people, you know, who had a, a hand in my upbringing. I mean, all of those things are just, you know, reasons why this, this job was, was, you know, so such a blessing when it, when it came open and the opportunity came to come home. So um, it, it's really been a, a great experience after a year and a half. And, you know, obviously I don't have much time to really think about that and, and 
basking that because there's so much work to be done. And then, you know, luckily that's my mindset every morning I wake up. Um, I, you know, I say my prayers to my wife. You know, I thank the Lord for the opportunity that he's blessed me with. Uh, but then I roll my sleeves up and go to work, you know, because, again, that's what it takes to a place like Florida and them. Um, because, again, we have a fan base who expects to win, and they expect to win now. <laughs> and so, you know, this homecoming is a huge week for us. Um, every week after that is a huge week for us. Uh, of course, the Southern game was an extremely uh, a huge game for us as well. And, you know, I know there's still some even sour about the UCF game, you know. But, again, that, that play all plays part into what makes Florida and them one of the best jobs, you know, at this level. And, um, again, I'm very blessed to be here. And, you know, God willing, I'll you know, continue to, to grow and build this program to the level of success that I grew up um, idolizing. And I know that Rattler Nation is, is, is yearning to get back to. Yeah, no doubt about it. In excess of 27,000 uh, at the at Bragg Memorial Stadium when Southern came to town. Willie Simmons, the head football coach, Florida A&M, joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Road, the Rattlers in action homecoming Saturday against North Carolina Central. Coach Simmons, we appreciate the time. Continued success to you and the Rattlers. Uh, thanks, Donald. Always a pleasure, brother. I look forward to filling out my, my brackets next week, next Sunday, and <laughs> as always, you know, I appreciate everything you do for us, and as always, go Rattlers. That's a big game in Tallahassee. Can the Eagles go to Tallahassee and, and get a win? Uh, it's going to be tough, but that's a – you know that's an that's a somewhat. I mean, it's, that's a push game. Like that game could go either way. I think it's homecoming. I think that's extra motivation for Florida A&M. They're going to have a big time crowd there, so I think that's a little bit extra motivation. But both teams are playing well right now. The Eagles have won two straight games, and FAMU has won three straight games. Let's take a look at the Box to Row National Game of the week between Alcorn State and Alabama State promises to be a good football game. Last year's game was great. In Lorman, Mississippi, Alabama State came away with that road victory, a field goal, five overtimes. Alabama State defeats Alcorn State. Ultimately, Alcorn State still won the Eastern Division and, and ultimately won the uh, SWAC championship as well. Again, you look at the quarterback situation if I had to to take a guess, I figure it'll be Felix Harper that will uh, be the starter. And, and again, on the conference call, I had a chance to be on the conference call, the SWAT conference call on Monday, and uh, Fred McNair um, said that will you know when he was asked about the question with respect to Noah Johnson, he said Noah is still kind of coming along. We'll see how things play out the rest of the week during practice. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, if he's 100%, do you go with meaning Noah Johnson as the veteran quarterback, uh, or do you go with the guy that's hot, the guy that has led you to um, a couple of victories and, by the way, didn't have a half-bad game when he had to come in against McNeese State when uh, Noah Johnson went down in that football game. So he's had two-and-a-half good football games, uh, has Felix Harper. Uh, do you go with him as the hot guy? I would imagine right now with the way things are running that that's who you would go with in this most pivotal football game. So even with that, I think when you look at all corn state, they're getting it done offensively, more specifically with Felix Harper. Um, but I will say that all corn state 
faced Prairie View A&M, who's not very good defensively. They also faced Mississippi Valley State as well. And it's not to take anything away from Felix Harper, but now he's going to be playing against an upper echelon defense. I mean, you may look at the numbers with respect to Alabama State. The numbers aren't great uh, when you look at yards they've given up per game, when you look at the amount of points that Alabama State, the Hornets defense, is giving up per game. But let's look at this one statistics, one stat. In 18 red zone drives by opponents, opponents have only scored eight touchdowns. That's eighth best in all of FCS. So it's almost a situation where you can move the football on Alabama State. You can move it right down the field on Alabama State. But when you get into that 20-yard line and going in, it's difficult to score touchdowns on Alabama State. They've got a pretty good defense, of course. Um, when you're looking at Davis um, at quarterback, the running game is solid for Alabama State um, as well. This is going to be a home game. I expect to be a big crowd in Montgomery. I think you're going to have a lot of Alcorn State folks that are going to be there as well. Alcorn State travels well. I mean, I, you know, I, I suspect that they'd have in excess of 25,000 fans there uh, on the campus of Alabama State to play that football game. A lot of variables there. Somebody from uh, and and listen. Also, Alcorn State's defense is solid as well. They're very good in the in the secondary, and they're going to have to be very good to be able to check. You know, Michael Ferguson of Alabama State, who has been really almost lights out. Davis is a really really good quarterback. Wow. This is a great football game. And by the way, um, before I even go a little bit further about this football game, I was dead wrong last week. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to make a pick with Alabama State and Alcorn State. I was dead wrong last week as I said that Arkansas Palm Bluff was hot. I thought they'd win that football game against Southern. I, I may have even said it won't be. I mean, I don't think it was going to be a blowout, but it may not be that close. And, yeah, it wasn't that close with Southern winning that football game. So I was dead wrong. Um, uh, you know, if I had to go with the team in this football game, um, wow. You know, I look at Alcorn State and the way Alcorn State is playing. But again, I have to look at Felix Harper. He's playing well, but this is a much better defense, meaning Alabama State, than what he's seen the previous two weeks. I think it, if he, in fact, is the starter, and then who knows? I mean, maybe he plays, he doesn't play well. If Noah Johnson's healthy enough, does he come in the game? But I'll go with the fact that Felix Harper is going to be the starter. He's going to play all of the football game. If that's the case, I think he's facing a tougher Alabama State defense. That's not to say he's not going to have some success, but I just think with Alabama State in in their in their uh, defense, especially in the red zone, I think they're going to show them some different looks. And by the way, remember, Alabama State had an off week last week coming off a big victory over Grambling two weeks ago uh, at Grambling. So Alabama State's hot. I know I went with the hot team last week. I'm going to do it again this week. I'm going to go with Alabama State in a close football game. It's not going to be a five-overtime football game, but I think it's going to be a game that's decided by four points or less with Alabama State coming out on top against Alcorn State. Your thoughts? Hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, 
the number two ROW. Let's take a look at the box to row score HBCU scoreboard for week six. Some interesting matchups. I like the Howard and Harvard matchup from a historical perspective. Um, that game is going to be played in Cambridge, Massachusetts. As I take a look at some of the other games, Shaw and Virginia State's an interesting game. Um, I think, again, Shaw took a step um, a couple of weeks ago. Big victory over Chawan. Can Shaw continue to take those steps and perhaps challenge for the Southern Division crown? We certainly will see. Virginia State is going to be a very formidable opponent. That game is going to be played in Petersburg. West Virginia State is hosting West Liberty. West Virginia State hosting is hosting West Liberty. Don't look now, but again, West Virginia State is 3-0 and in MEC play. 3-0 and in MEC play. And uh, it's an opportunity for West Virginia State to be 4-0 and in conference play. Obviously, we talked about the Box Row National game uh, of the week. Some other games uh, to be on the lookout for. Florida A&M and North Carolina Central, we didn't really talk about that game. But, I mean, I think, again, that's going to be a good football game um, and, and an important football game, even though it's still early in the MEAC season. For all of the games in week six of HBCU football, log on to our website at BoxToRow.com. Thank you to Willie Simmons, the head football coach at Florida A&M, for joining us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Don't forget, on Monday on the HBCU Football Daily Podcast, we're going to be joined by Indianapolis Colts wide receiver Chester Rogers, formerly of Grambling. The current HBCU Football Daily Podcast features Javon Hargrave, defensive tackle for the Pittsburgh Steelers, formerly of South Carolina State, two-time Box to Row Willie Davis, Defensive Player of the Year. So log on to our website at BoxToRow.com and download or listen to that podcast. And always remember to support those that support you. From the Press Box to Press Row is presented by DW Communications.